This is Coda Radio, episode 178 for November 9th, 2015. Welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is like a ninja hidden in the perches waiting for Monday morning. Why, yes, it's Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. Oh, hey, whoa. <laughs> whoa. whoa, careful, careful. You are going to blow secret identities. Blogs will be written. Tweets will be had. You got to watch yourself, Mr. No, Dominic. No one tweets me until I do hashtag Linux. You are on the world's uh, official most curmudgeon uh, coder podcast, I believe. So uh, you uh, you have to be careful because it is apparently because of that, the podcast record. I don't quite understand how those two things work. Curmudgeon. But we are apparently a couple of curmudgeons, I've been told. You know, I have been emailed several times about my apparently uncontrollable Hulk-like anger. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, well you should see all the holes in the walls here in the studio from the Coda radios that we do. I mean, uh, they're silent holes because it's really well sound insulated, so you don't hear me punching them. But yeah, yeah there's lots of... Well, someone did just send me something on Twitter about a Swift hoodie. So uh, I want to get it in very small because I'm a bigger dude. Yeah. And kind of just hulk out of it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> you know, be like, dude. You like an they objective C muscle shirt underneath and be like. Yeah, right. Yes. But, yes, exactly. I was just going to say. I was going to say, it won't work unless you put a muscle shirt underneath it. And then people are going to be freaked out. So you'll, you'll be walking around with a Swift hoodie and a muscle shirt. And I'll be walking around with a $1,500 Android smartwatch made by Tag. And the best part, Intel processor in this thing. Wait, did we finally get that porn tube deal? Because where's my cut? <laughs> I know, right? Who's going to spend $1,500 on this thing? I mean, I guess the Apple Watches gets up there in price too. But So it just for, for those of you that haven't heard about this, this is going to be called uh, the TAG uh, smartwatch. The TAG, or a connected watch, I believe is how you say it, but I could be wrong. Uh, it's going to have an, an, a 1963s inspired design that goes back to the whole line of TAG watches. And uh, this is going to have, I think, the most interesting bit in this. And I didn't see this coming because I didn't know Intel was this far along. But uh, it turns out that, yeah, they're actually going to have built into this freaking thing an Intel CPU. This smartwatch, this and this uh, this Android Wear smartwatch. I don't know why this impresses me so much. I guess I didn't realize they'd gotten them down that far. But, yeah, this is going to have a little Intel inside. That That is wildly inappropriate. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, here we go. So, here we go. There we go. I was waiting for it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I realized I realized I was being negligent. Uh, I don't have much to say about this other than maybe I don't want to spend much more than five minutes talking about smartwatches this week. Uh, I don't don't want to talk about them at all. $1,500 is too much for something. But you know what I realized? I'm pretty much down to uh, using my watch for pretty much nothing. It's I've even turned off the uh, fitness tracking stuff and the activity alerts and stuff like that. So my experimentation with smartwatches continues to go downhill. However, I'm about to try to induct a new user into the fold. We'll see. I'll, I'll report back. All right. So I had something that I wanted to bounce off you, Mike, because this struck me. You know, a lot of times we talk about dumping uh, in the sense of Google, right? Now, they kind of came along in a sense, and they could do some you – know, will you remind the folks kind of what dumping, you know, in, 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 the, in, oh. in the quota radio terms means? Because maybe yeah, we haven't covered so it for a while. It's saying, wow, that is a somewhat successful, you know, software product that you're selling there. Let me make a free version of it. Yeah, and, and that's yeah. what we kind of mean, where then you come in so uh, – you know, and sometimes it's for the better of – of not just the market, but maybe even the people, right? Like, so you could say Google basically did that with Android. You had you had a few proprietary operating systems in there, and then Google's came along and said, well, here's a free one, and then everybody goes with it. Uh, so WordPress, new stats are showing that WordPress now powers 25% of the whole freaking web. 25% of the latest data comes from W3Techs, which measures both usage and market share. WordPress is used by 58.7% of all websites whose content management systems we know of. This is 25% of all websites total. So if you have a CMS, it's 58.7% penetration, which makes out 25% of all sites. Now, there's a bunch of other CMSs in here. Uh, uh, Joomla is in there, uh, pretty well represented. Drupal, of course. 
Blogger makes a, a, a good appearance in there. Um, here's why I wanted to talk about this, Mike. Because if you look at the numbers, WordPress is so, so outrageously far ahead of even the nearest competitor. Uh, so Joomla, 6% of the web, 2.8% of sites that use a CMS. Drupal, 5% of the web, 2.1% of sites that use a CMS. Is it done? At what point do you say, okay, well, this market's done, it's matured? Because I look at the web, Mike, and I never really think of the web as, oh, it's stabilized, it's matured, it's never going to go any further from this. But when I look at these kind of numbers, I think 25% of all websites, 50, almost 60% of a site using a CMS, these are devastating numbers in terms of the web adoption. These are huge numbers, and to me it almost makes it feel like there's no air left in the room for somebody to come along with something else or – Perhaps it does. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts. Well, it's obviously tough to get into a crowded market, especially if, you know, the things that are crowding it happen to be free, right? So, I mean, in the, in the case of CMSs that you mentioned, you know, Ghost CMS is pretty new, right? And we're using it over on Buccaneer I.O. I don't yeah, think okay. innovation is stopping, um, but I think the model of selling your CMS is a little um, outmoded. However, oh, a, lot yeah. of, okay. a lot of companies have developers build them custom CMSs or take WordPress and modify it, right? Yeah. Or something like that, which yeah. seems to be more common, uh, more common practice. So uh, in your opinion, do you think there's also a possibility that when something gets this level of adoption, it almost in a way opens up a window? Well, I would say it becomes its own development platform, right? Like I've seen, I've seen Joomla, uh, not Joomla, Joomla, I'm sorry, Drupal websites where it's it's almost as if Drupal, I mean, I know this is a horrible oversimplification, but like Drupal is the platform you're developing on and you're just customizing a total solution. Yeah. Yeah. I, I So two th- I am of two minds of this. Number one, I think it is actually, so the chat room's talking about Ghost and you're talking about Ghost and I've talked about Ghost. Really nice markdown powered yep. uh, blogging engine. I think though, in order to be competitive now, okay, so there's actually a couple angles I want to talk about this. <clears throat> so if we could circle back, please to once something comes along and gets a market advantage that's open source, it pretty much eliminates the opportunity for anybody to compete at pay. First, I want to challenge if that's true. So if we can remember to circle back to that. Well, but I, I would even just stop you for a second. It's not open source that's, that, that causes it. It's free, right? Yeah, it's okay, a, fair enough. Yeah. Com- a commercial license to use a software is free. doesn't matter if it's open source. It's just there's a big overlap. It's, I, think, instance, well, I, I think open source – right. No, I think your, your fundamental it, point is right. But I think open right. source, when it's a platform like this, does help lend itself to faster user adoption. Right. But in the historical context of what we talked about for like two years now or whatever it's been, we usually aren't talking about platforms to build on. We're usually talking about, again, Google Docs, like products, right? Yeah, and I think you're right. It just needs to be free, really. And so uh, I guess we'll let's talk about this right now. Maybe we'll come back to what it means when we have a monoculture. But uh, so the uh, let's circle back to that then. We'll, come, we'll circle back to monoculture. Let's talk about this. Is it almost immoral, in a sense, to come into a market that is uh, that is – Rife with, with commercial competition where people where, – where you have large development companies and small development shops, which could be one or ten people teams, that are making a living off of selling a thing. Let's just say in this case it's a CMS, but maybe in another case it's a mobile operating system or it's an app or something like that. And then somebody comes along and says, hey, guess what? I'm doing that same thing for free. And even if it isn't even – even if it's only 80 percent of what you do, I'm doing 80 percent of what you do for free, and over the next 10 years, I'll make that 20 percent gap up. And is it almost immoral to come in and do that? Um, is it immoral? No. I mean, are, are alternative business models immoral? No. You know, is it, let me ask you this. Is it immoral to – I don't know. You know, media used to be paid for, right? Is it immoral to have non-paid-for media where it's ad-supported? I'm thinking magazines, things like that. Right. So what you're saying is it's commercialism. In other words, it's capitalism. It's another it's another right. business model that may just be more viable for the new market conditions. Yeah, I think there's. I think a better question than immoral is probably is it damaging to to the market you're trying to work in? Right. Uh, let me just give you an example. Google Docs did a really good job of for personal users and for young users in particular, cutting the legs off of Office, right? 
I mean, I'm seeing more and more people aren't using Office unless they got it as part of their college tuition or they're in an enterprise and the enterprise bought it or they're above a certain age and they're just used to it, right? And they've, they've developed, you know, specialized skills, accountants, people like that who have specialized skills with pivot tables. And yeah, in fact, just to, just to sort of back you up on that, I also, you know, not just on Linux Unplugged where we have literally students that show up in the mumble room and tell me this is how it's going, but I also get a lot of feedback, a lot of emails to Linux Action Show and Linux Unplugged where they tell me, you know, Chromebooks, Google Apps for, for, uh, for education. And all of this is becoming a very standardized, uh, very easy approach. And, you know, it's, it's brilliant for the school districts, Mike, because they get, to brand, they get to brand it. They get to have collaborative editing. They can log in and check the documents. There's no, oh, I forgot my file at home. There's no spreading of viruses on thumb drives. I mean, so IT administrators of the school districts love it. Everybody's all in on it. Well, yeah, let's hope Google doesn't, you know, kill it, uh, which we'll ignore, which is fun. But... Right. I mean, it, so so that case, maybe Google Docs is a, is a bad case in that it has an actual advantage over Office, right, where it did for a long time. Now, I know Office now has many of the same features, uh, but that's not going to make me change from Google Docs. Yeah, yeah. And also, Google Docs feels feels like a more established product. And and so it, they really, you're right, this is it's sort of the same thing. They go in there and they cut the legs out. And that does feel more like responding to market demands. That doesn't feel immoral to me at all, actually. Right. I mean, but, you know, the premise, I think the underlying premise of, like, you know, is, is monetizing web software dead? I'm going to flatly say no. I mean, someone just mentioned Jira in chat, and that was going to be a topic for this week, but I didn't get to it. Is that, you know, you know I'm moving to Jira, right? Mm. And I'm paying for Jira, and I'm mm. paying for Confluence, mm-hmm. and I'm paying for all that, all the Atlassian uh, really? suite of tools, who, by the way, are now filing an IPO because they're so successful, right? right? I think it's it's a different model. And it's something, you know, it's SaaS, right? Software is a service, but it has to be, you have to, one, targeting a consumer is probably not the way to go. You need to target either a freelancer or a small business or a business. And two, I mean, I'm not unsympathetic to, you know, having released a paid product and then having your legs cut out from you by a bunch of overnight Mm -hmm. in two-week free competitors. But, and yes, you can be angry, and, and I've literally done that on tape, at some point, it doesn't matter, though, right? You I mean, it, great example, LibreOffice, I'm just riffing off the chat here, LibreOffice was around forever in, in the guise of OpenOffice. It never did crap to Microsoft, but Google Docs did. Why? Because Google Docs was not only free, right, but actually better. Right. Or so at least better in ways that mattered to people. In, and, and, you know, the thing about technology is the consumer is a constantly moving target. Right. And, th- and there are such a thing as bad customers, right? There are customers who... You know, if you're charging $4 for an app and they think that's extravagant, well, maybe they're a little too price conscious, right? There is such a there, – it, it cuts both ways, but certainly I, I wouldn't say that Google Docs is knockoff office, right? I would say Google Docs is you – know, for my use is better, frankly, because I'm forgetful. I will totally put a file on a thumb drive and lose a thumb drive and have to recreate Oh yeah. On. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, me so, too. I mean – and, you know, for – I mean, we talk about this all the time, but, you know, for our our use case, which turns out each people – everybody has their own 1% use case. And our use case is it's extremely handy when doing live show production to have a real-time editing system that is as real-time as, as chat. You know, it's just – it's very fluid. It's – it's you know, there's nothing – there's no, there, it is literally something that no desktop application has yet to offer at, at the same level. There are things out there. And remember, one of its strengths way back when was that it was platform agnostic and it was the same experience on yeah. Mac and Windows and Linux, where it, it, it's hard for people who, especially on Mac, you know, Office for Mac actually is good now, but for years it sucked, right? For years it lagged behind. So if you were running a Mac day to day, Google, you know, Office on Windows may have looked somewhat more sophisticated, but damn, Google Drive looked, or rather at the time, Google Docs looked better than Office 2008 or whatever it was. <laughs> I mean, yeah, by a mile, yeah, right? Yeah, sure, yeah. Office for Windows looked like it had more going on. And, and honestly, I mean, there are weaknesses in Google Docs. Uh, their version of PowerPoint sucks, right? Oh, there's Google lots. Docs. There are lots of issues with Google Docs. There are I – have, I have many – Google right. Docs is one of those products that I barely use, but it, it has enough advantages and enough adoption that I use it. I use the spreadsheets and I use the um, uh, the right word, whatever they call it. Yeah, Docs. Docs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, You know, so here's my high-level view of it. Things like WordPress 
are are really a good technology, right? Because they give they give people like uh, small businesses that uh, don't know really much about technology, but they can go get you know a, a VPS or they can go get a, a server somewhere, and they can set up a WordPress installation or they can pay somebody a thousand bucks to set up a WordPress installation, set up a theme, and set up a website, and set up all the information. And they've got a very usable, manageable theme. And if they are willing to log in and, and manage things, it's very usable. And I at first would have thought this is a pipe dream, and it probably is for maybe 80% of – no. You know what? Actually, it's not true anymore. We need to change our – we need to change our – our preconceptions about business owners, because what I have been discovering is there's more and more people our age that are now starting their own businesses. Oh yeah, and so and these people understand that they can log into a WordPress page and update a website and click the update button. And for them, it is actually and so I, I this is this is me coming off of of some experience I had, but. Uh, uh, it, earlier this year, I spent some time meeting a couple of different local business groups just to kind of gain, gain some perspective on how real people in my community are using technology. And I, I visited a business group up in a town called Burlington, which is about 25, 35 minutes north of me. And I spent some time in a, in a business group here in, in the town that the studio is based in. And uh, I've talked about this before on the show, but the, the big thing that I walked away from is there is a there is a broad spectrum of experience now. It is not just people in their older years who've never used a computer running a business. In fact, I would say nobody at any of these meetings every I guess I should say this everybody at these meetings used technology in some way to facilitate their business. Every single one of them. Even the gal there was a gal who 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 ran a horse training business. Even she was using computers to like have a website, book reservations, all of this stuff. And you know what? Every single person I talked to in that group was using WordPress. And I remember at the time thinking to myself, wow, you know, this is something that's really approachable for these people because a lot of like uh, services where you buy your domain name or whatever now have a checkbox to deploy WordPress and it's set up for you and you're good to go. It's really like – so I'm not sitting here saying, oh, WordPress is evil and it's, it, it is smashing independent uh, developers. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very appreciative of what they've accomplished and the fact I'm very glad that it is an open source product that has this wide range of adoption and that they stay on top of issues. You know so. what? But that is uh, – you know, that's another case of what you were saying, the destructive aspect because from doing development consulting, you know, there used to be a burgeoning uh, field if you really needed to pick up a quick – Couple thousand dollar project. Yes. Go do a small business WordPress site now. That's basically gone. That's true. I still think there. I still. I, it's still I, there. But yeah, it, but it, I it's think it's what it was. Right now, what now? Who your who your I believe who your customer is. If you want to go, and man, see what Mike is saying is there was literally a time where you walk down the street. Yeah, your full <laughs> your literally full time gig could be setting up WordPress installations for people, and you could do three or four in a day, and you you know charge them a thousand bucks, two thousand bucks a setup. Like literally, there was a heyday here where it was just great. Now the people who need that are the people who are a little more esoteric about well, this doesn't look quite right, or this photo doesn't line up quite right, or I'd like to be able to do X on my site, and then those people want a little extra and they're willing to go to you, but you know it's a lot of money. And it's a lot well, of money. You know, I, I think now what it is is small businesses or medium businesses who need a big tool, like one of the big boys, let's say like a Salesforce type tool, but can't afford it. So they may actually go for like a custom implementation mm-hmm. or for something smaller. That yes, I agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah, I think that's very much the case. And uh, I, so, you know, congrats to WordPress for getting to that point and for being so damn flexible about it. I mean, I, we, we even use it for JB now for for pretty much the, all of JB's history. It is the Windows XP of the web, though. So that's <laughs> the, that is the downside of WordPress, right? <laughs> um, oh, that's harsh. If you're going to get hit, it's probably on WordPress. Oh, man. Sheer volume, right? It's the, yeah. I'm making that a title, Windows XP of the net. Boom, I just suggested that. That's good. That's, that's, I feel bad, though, because I'm, I'm, I'm running on it, but uh, it served us well. It has. Like we, I purposely went for Ghost for Buccaneer yeah. just so it wasn't WordPress. If I was going to start over today, I would, too. In fact, Which, I've thought about like yeah. when I've I've thought about launching independent sites for independent sh- for each show, like not each show. I've thought about maybe like if we launched a new show, maybe we should launch a site dedicated to right. it. Or when I was doing the road trip, I thought maybe I should have a dedicated website for this. I just don't have the time. But in each case, I'm thinking if I was starting over, I I just don't need the complexity of WordPress. I don't need the overhead and the attack surface of WordPress. Not even that. Do you know what the re- should I tell you what the reason is? It's going to be inflammatory. Then I, I definitely want to know. 
I didn't want any potential client to see a WordPress site and figure out it was a WordPress site and say, oh, I can do that. Maybe I don't need to call them. Yeah. Yeah, I there's definitely that. You know, because if I was looking, if I was, you know, I got, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you too. Uh, sometimes when I'm checking out people, like uh, we we get people that email me like, I'd love to be an advertiser with you. And I'm like, all right, let me check you out. And then I go there and I have to go there with the same critical eye that I know our audience is going to go there with, right? Because if I, if I recommend something, they're going to go check it out and they're going to look at it and go, well, this is a joke if it sucks. So I got to go there. I got to check it out. I got to use the product. I got to become you know a user of it, all that kind of stuff, right? And so when people email us in and they have all of their, their company's product up on a WordPress site, I kind of, I kind of, I'm not going to say... I'm not going to say it's a check against them, but it's kind of like an interview process. When somebody, when somebody has something on their resume sometimes, Boeing, I kind of go, hmm. Boeing? Man. What? What? Did I say that out loud? Oh. Wow. Um, so the opinions of Chris Fisher are not necessarily the opinion. Can I tell you something? I have interviewed in my job, I have interviewed dozens and dozens and dozens of Boeing. So I live in Washington, for those of you who don't know. And Boeing is based in Washington State. And so there are... Tens of thousands of Boeing employees who leave Boeing and enter the technology field. And uh, I love all of you. And if you work at Boeing and you listen to the show, thank you very much. Please don't bomb him. No. Uh, but you know what? Here's the thing about here's, – here's what I would here, – here's, here's Chris's advice if you're a Boeing employee. Okay? Yeah. Go ahead and continue out-of-work research because here's the thing about working at Boeing is you, you learn vertically something very well. You learn it up – uh, upside, you know, down, in and out, very, very well. Like, I'm very impressed with how well you've vertically learned one particular slice of technology. In my experience of probably interviewing 25 Boeing, I mean, really, I mean, a lot, because literally, as part of a contractor, my clients would bring me in to do interviews for potential candidates, and I would sit there all day long and interview people over and over and over again. And what I discovered, I'm just putting this out there, what I discovered. And I think this may be symptomatic of working in a huge, huge, huge company is they don't really get exposed to a broader range of technical challenges. There's a very narrow field of work that they have to work in. I'm not trying to – I am not trying to uh, discriminate against Boeing employees. I just literally have observed this as, an, as, as somebody who has interviewed a lot of them in the state of Washington. They learn one narrow set of technology and they don't go outside of that. This message brought to you by Northrop Grumman. Yeah. <laughs> and Raytheon. No, and Airbus. <laughs> wow. That, I don't know how we got here. But... I don't know either. Let's move wow. on. Let's shake it off. Like, you know, actually, the only, only, the only really, there is actually a relation to Coda Radio is if any of you have been out there doing interviews, it is interesting how sometimes you can find somebody who is a genius in a particular topic and then like, like there was, and I, and I, I, seriously, 30 more seconds. I interviewed and worked with a guy for years who was a genius in troubleshooting printer drivers' issues on Windows. The man, though, and he called himself a PC tech support and help desk technician, right? He had never, ever installed an operating system, installed patches, or configured a BIOS in his life. But he considered himself a desktop technician. Anyways, moving on. Let me tell you about how you can actually round out your skill set, linuxacademy.com. Go to linuxacademy.com slash coders. Go there right now and become a Linux Academy student. Linux Academy is a platform built around the great technologies around Linux. So it's not just all of the core stuff that makes Linux totally kick ass and really awesome. It's all of the technologies that have been built on top of this really awesome system. Like everything that you need to become competitive in the marketplace. linuxacademy.com slash coders. They're constantly expanding. Brand new HTML5 players throughout their website. New CDN backend to make sure all of the stuff streams beautifully. Seven plus distros you choose from to automatically customize the courseware and the virtual machines they spin up on demand. Step-by-step videos. And what I love about this is, yeah, sure, it's self-paced. You go there, you do your own thing. Any point you need help, instructor help is available. This is huge. This is a differentiator of Linux Academy. Go to linuxacademy.com slash coders to get the Coder Radio discount. Just visiting that site, linuxacademy.com slash coders also supports this show. Now, what I love about Linux Academy is almost every time I talk about them, I got something new to say. They just did a huge update a couple of, uh, what, what, like two weeks ago, was it now? 
a couple of weeks ago. Brand new stuff, like stuff like when you're working through the system now, you can get immediate feedback if what you're doing is right or wrong, so you don't have to wait till you've completed the test. They have practice exams, so that way if you're cray-cray and you want to go get certified up in this mode, they got tons of stuff to, pre- to bang your head against, so that way when you go there to actually take the exam, you've gone through it all. Like it's real-world stuff that's going to prep you for that. And I love this because when I was playing the game and trying to make sure that I could get this client so that I had the certification, or even before then, when I worked as a 9-to-5 employee, you know, every single year that review came around. And it was a slam dunk if I had a couple of easy check marks. You know, because these managers, they got a bunch of people to review. They got a limited amount of budget. They got to spread around to everybody. And so if I had a couple of easy boxes to check, went to continue for, you know, education. Man, especially if my work paid for it, this is such a slam dunk. Man, this is such a slam dunk if your work pays for this. This is stuff that you can go do on your own time based on uh, courseware of people who really give a crap about this kind of stuff. It's not just like a checkbox for a feature on their on their training site. They really care about this stuff. They have really good scenario-based labs. They've got nuggets you can just deep dive into a single topic. they got availability selectors. You can tell how much time you have, and they automatically build courseware for you. And they have live stream events where you can go and participate. And the community is stacked full of Jupiter Broadcasting members. So this is a really easy way to go check off that box on that review you. Just go get a little more extended education. Or this is a good way to make yourself more competitive. Or this is a great way to challenge yourself. Go to linuxacademy.com slash coders and see why they are a perfect fit for our audience. linuxacademy.com slash coders. Tons of new features rolled out in the month of October, and they're always unit. That's why it's such a great value. linuxacademy.com slash coders. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Mike, I don't know if you saw this. Yes, yes, Mr. Cheney. We will get the Halliburton read in next week. I pro- oh, Thanks. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I got to watch this hot mic. Right, hot mic. Got a hot mic here. Got a hot mic. So did you see, this is like actually, to, in my estimation, from what I can tell, kind of a huge, huge freaking deal. Google just open sourced, I think it's called TensorFlow. I've never actually, it's funny, I've never had to say this outflow. It's TensorFlow, T-E-N-S-O-R Flow. It's an artificial intelligence engine. That's what actually matters. And they've just – this is the stuff behind Google Photos that automatically IDs object in Google Photos. It's really, really groundbreaking. And uh, they got a little video that tells us about it. I'll play for us. Deep learning is this branch of machine learning loosely inspired by how the brain works. We have had experience building software for deep learning over the last few years. Although it was initially a research project, we've since collaborated with about 50 different teams at Google and deployed these systems in real products across a really wide spectrum of of areas. Today, it's used heavily in our speech recognition systems, in the new Google Photos product, Gmail, in search. We've really taken all that experience and built that into TensorFlow. TensorFlow is this machine learning library that's used across Google for applying deep learning to a lot of different areas. Doing both. Whoa, YouTube, what is up? So you can actually, you probably don't need to hear any more than that. You probably actually kind of get it just from as much as the yeah. video that played. Uh, so TensorFlow is a really important piece of Google's secret sauce. I mean, let's not joke here. This, if, they, if this is really the thing that reads your Gmails and figures out your importance and your urgence and all of that, the power's inbox, and the photo stuff is legitimately awesome. I don't know if you've used Google Photo Backup, but it is amazing. Like I can go in there and I can say, show me all pictures of Dylan and Christmas. I've never tagged anything in Google Photos ever. I've just let it back up my photos, right? And I go into Google Photos and I say, Christmas and Dylan, and boom. Every time, any instance, I have a picture of my son Dylan at Christmas all laid out in front of me. Because it recognizes Christmas trees. It recognizes presents, and it recognizes Dylan. It's very, it's very, 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 very powerful. And, and so I'm, I'm sitting here thinking this is almost a culture change at Google. Now, I know a lot of people listening would go, well, but Google's Mr. Open. I don't believe that for a second. And if you want to argue with me, first go listen to 177 episodes of Coda Radio, then come back to me. But I believe their most proprietary secret sauce is the stuff they hold closest. And this is one of them, man. This is the stuff that gives them insights and analytics into people and into what we're doing and into the, what we take pictures of. And they just open sourced it. Am I – uh, I mean, this to me seems like a huge deal, Mike. What do you think? I'm scared. Really? I'm a little frightened. It doesn't, don't you think actually in a way it makes Google less scary if they're taking their big open source? No, it's pretty cool, actually. It's funny because I didn't even think of the open aspect. Do you know what I thought about when I first read it? No, what? Huh, so the interfaces are C++ and Python. Yeah, exa- <laughs> exactly. I have yeah. to go, oh, it's coming later. Okay. Yeah, yeah, there is that. Yeah. 
Yeah, it isn't. They, they it says they've written most of it in C plus plus, which I thought was kind of interesting. No, it's, I'm sure this was a several year project. That's why I'm surprised they open sourced it. Now there is some scuttlebutt. Like a, we will link to a Wired article in the show notes that suggests that maybe it's not is as competitive as other artificial intelligence products. In fact, the Wired article even cites a company that Google has bought that does artificial intelligence, brought them in under the Google umbrella, or now the Alphabet umbrella, I guess it's the Alphabet, and uh, they still continue to elect to use their own open or artificial intelligence software because TensorFlow didn't work for them. However, okay. to me, but. this – so why, why – Mike, what, what is – what is the advantage to Google? I mean, I think I, you know, when I think about open sourcing things, there's multiple advantages, right? Um, I, I don't know. Perhaps you know more than me that there is another project at Google that does this. I mean, is, is that a fact? Do you know that for sure? No, no. This is sort of like a secret sauce they've had in the company for years, powering a lot of their products. So this is no it, one, right? No one is going to have more influence over this project than. Google, it's their projects, yes. um, or be able to put the resources in. You know, there's very few people in the world who can work on this machine learning, artificial intelligence. Stuff. Right. Um, and neither of us is one of them. No, I know. It's, so, it's really abstract stuff. I, I don't um, I don't think someone's going to be able to, like, take this and take it for their own. I don't think there's a whole lot of risk in open sourcing it that way. You think it's going to be more like intellectuals tooling away at it, just making it better for Google? Right. I think it makes it easier for academics to work on it, right? Remember, we're talking AI here. We're talking machine learning. We're yes. not talking, this is my my proprietary library to get an iPhone app done in 40 hours instead of 120. <laughs> like, this is, uh, this is pretty next-level stuff. Now, in terms of, you know, I'm neither of us is qualified to say if this is bad AI or good AI. Right, or right. Machine, or good machine learning. Even if there were another project at Google that was better than this, I can't, I, I can't understand how it would be bad that they open sourced it now i think it's kind of a pr thing because again there's not many people other than academics who can work on this and that's probably who this is for right it seems like it tensorflow.org if you guys are curious Dersani says it's a binary blob over the wall kind of thing which is it does sort of feel like that a little bit to me i've been looking for the license and i can't find it patch two. Oh, okay where did you see that it it's on the sites at the bottom ah thank you sir. that's the first thing i look for because, yes yes you know it, it could be like one of those weird, it's open source, but it's, you know, sign this licensing agreement. Yeah, yeah, it's code sharing. Oh, it, it's great open source Apache, too. So that's pretty, you don't get much more open than that. Again, sort of an a- academic license as well. Yeah. Uh, interesting, though, that they're sort of revealing the crown jewels like this. That's kind of a... It's kind of uh, a well, it's Google's a big company, right? And, and remember, there's 26 letters in the alphabet. <laughs> so... I would not be surprised if there was another machine learning project happening. Yeah, that's true. Um, they, yeah, it, that's true. Yeah. But, you know, it, it doesn't mean that this isn't a good thing. It just means that there are a couple moves ahead. Right? Huh. Huh. Yeah. And and there's been other articles out now that suggest that, uh, yeah, Google's ahead of everybody else in this category. But, you know, Mike, don't take it lying down like you can at this next workstation. This is This came from the Coda Radio subreddit. The uh, alt work station lets you lie down. Of course, it does cost almost $6,000. No more standing at your desk. No more sitting at your desk. Now we're going to all lay at our desks, Mike. <laughs> actually, I didn't notice Jack this. into the matrix. This, uh, this actually has, that position. Look at this. It has an intro video for a laying down desk. I'm sorry. I can't help myself. I got to watch a little bit of this. Oh, of this in- oh yeah. This is. In the mid-1800s, uh-huh. typewriters and calculators started to become common. We've come a long way since then, and a lot has changed in the last 150 years. Thanks to the endless march of human ingenuity, we've created industries, we've designed technologies that make our lives easier, safer, and more efficient. From big things like travel and communications to things that we just now take for granted like refrigeration, it's a great time to be alive. This is the most comfortable era in human history, with some key exceptions, the workplace. Not much has changed in the last century. Sure, our technologies are slicker, faster, more efficient. But even with the advent of the lightweight laptop, we're still bending to our machines That's and working true. on tables and chairs like this we did crap. in 1899. Animals. Animals. 1999. And it's all rather surprising considering all the studies suggesting that sitting and slouching decreases productivity, inhibits creativity, and is just generally bad for our long-term health. 
somehow there has to be a better way. Neural injections. So you lay down, I guess. Here we go. Here's the better way. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's take a nap, Chris. Ready? (laughs) This is in Sonoma County in California, so you know it's legit. So they're drunk. Got it. For the past five years, a team of successful serial entrepreneurs have set out to change the way we work, to redefine how we interact with our computers. With well over a million dollars of angel investment and founder funding, really, our coalition what? of designers, engineers, and creatives have developed a dynamic workstation have that caters to a growing number of high-intensity computer users. It's the only kind I like, baby. What this reminds me of, it's the Microsoft Surface House. Yes. This is exactly And right. after much trial and error and progressive prototypes, Find we are excited to share it. Oh, wow. The Alt Workstation. <laughs> You're not getting me in that chair, ever. It allows users to work in four key productivity. Wow. Positions. Okay, so you can sit up. Whether you want to sit, yep. stand, stand, collaborate, okay. or focus. I'm not going to lie, I kind of want this, Mike. Provides I'm not going to lie. Hey, uh, while your the computer guy I work with all the time, with you. he basically invented this with a crappy stables chair leaning back with his feet on the desk. Yeah, but look at that, man. He's got, like, Star Trek push buttons, dude. Yeah. <gasps> and buttons that do other things and levers, dude. This, this is not good. There's nothing good about this. Are you kidding? Sitting and slouching. I don't know. This is this is sort of exactly what I need in my life. This is every sci-fi movie come to pass. Like this is what I need in my life. Hasn't someone built a workstation like this before? Because it's really, really hard. <laughs> oh. Okay, okay. then. <laughs> That's an answer, I suppose. <laughs> Oh, look at the bottom. The, the, the leg things folds out, too. <gasps> this is... You guys got to watch the video we have embedded in the show notes for this if you're listening. Oh, you so shipments start mid-2016, Mike. You can pre-order right now. I will pass. Uh, alt work. All right. Well, I, I, I just... Uh, I think that's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Now, it does... Remember, it does start at 50... It, it starts at 4900 but come on. Let's not joke. You're going to have to get a... You're going to want to reserve one, which is going to cost you 30, 390 bucks up front. Uh, so... Wow. Rika has a fair point. Dentists did invent this. I, I expect the uh, American Dental Association to file the patent lawsuit anytime. <laughs> it does look like a dentist chair. You're right. Only way, way, way Less more. Painful. Way more <laughs> awesome. I like that it has a big Visa mount for the Apple Cinema display. Like, I guess, I guess their point was any, any Visa mount display would work there. But you notice how there was no cords in that shot? It's always amazing how product demos never have any cords, isn't it? Yeah, like it doesn't get tangled as it's moving. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. No, that's never an issue. That's never a problem. Hey, let me tell so, you about... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Let me tell you about DigitalOcean, something else that's awesome. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code CODERDIGITAL. Coder Digital gives you a $10 credit and supports our show. Now, DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting provider that's dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way for you to spin up your own cloud server. All right, so you get a taco, right? You know what a taco is? Well, DigitalOcean is even simpler than a taco. So your basic taco, you got your shell, you got your meat. You got your cheese and a little lettuce. Now, what I like to do then is put a little uh, guacamole and bean in there. So DigitalOcean's equivalent of that is easy pricing. It really is simpler than a taco. You can get started in less than 55 seconds, and pricing plans start at only $5 a month, less than probably a taco you could get. Isn't that ridiculous? And you get 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20-gigabyte SSD, because they're all SSDs, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. And DigitalOcean has data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, and they have a brand new one in Toronto. They got a great one in Germany. You could probably get a good taco in San Francisco. And their interface is simple with a very intuitive control panel. Again, way more intuitive than a taco. Like, it's ridiculous. And I'm telling you, a taco is a shell, meat, lettuce, cheese. And then you take my taco and I put bean, salsa, and guac on it. Even that, even the most I complicated. Totally take your taco. Yeah, I know. That's a complicated taco. It's still, still just a taco, right? And DigitalOcean is way more simple and way more intuitive. And when you use the promo code Coder Digital, you get a $10 credit. You can spend out a $5 rig, two months, absolutely free. Now, remember we were talking about Ghost and WordPress? Shoot, son, you can't run that on a taco, but you can on a DigitalOcean droplet, and it costs you less than $5 a month. And with that great interface and their straightforward APIs, you could snap it into a management infrastructure or use some existing community code. And they have fantastic tutorials to get you going to make sure you get even more out of your droplet. So use that promo code, CODERDIGITAL, to keep us going. And then when you save that $10, you can go get yourself a two-taco meal from your local Mexican restaurant, which is probably around, what, 
if you're in the U.S., around $795, $695, $895, cheaper than two months of DigitalOcean, so you can use that savings for DigitalOcean, right? And then, once your promo code or digital is over, it's $5 a month. Well, that's then cheaper than the tacos. So not only can you pay for two tacos with the savings of digital oceans when you use the promo code code or digital with that savings, that $10 credit, not only could you buy a two taco meal with rice and beans, but then the $5 a month savings is actually cheaper than the two, docker, two taco meal. It's unbelievable. Code or digital, digitalocean.com. The best systems ready to spin up on demand, and they've already got the new Fedora 23 because they are on top of it. And I would say Fedora 23 is probably the first Fedora you could start using as your server and then use DNF to upgrade it to Fedora 24, 25, etc. They've also got all the greatest Ubuntu's on there. Not only Fedora, they got CentOS. They got that free busy, busy, free bizzle, free bizzle, bizzle. I don't, I can't remember what it's called. They have, they have, they have that. And then they also have Debian, which everybody knows is the greatest. So you go to DigitalOcean.com, use the promo code CODERDIGITAL, save $10, get a rig up in the cloud, and then go get yourself two tacos, rice, and beans over at DigitalOcean.com. And a big thanks to DigitalOcean for sponsoring Taco Tuesday and Taco Monday on Coder Radio. All right. Brace yourself because everything is coming to an end because of the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Welcome to this week's episode of Unfilter, everybody. Uh... Oh wait, no, just kidding, just kidding. No, that was the wrong. I, show. I have some great election coverage. Yeah, right. We could talk. We could talk about Trump a little bit. Yeah. No, actually, I want to talk about this thing that's been spreading around the internet all weekend. Uh, that the Trans-Pacific Partnership is going to outlaw the GPL. Good. Oh. What? Well, uh, uh, Code Camp- Campage, which is probably Coder Rampage, only with K's in there, uh, wrote in to say, no, the TPP does not make open source software illegal. If you have seen this story over the weekend, calm down. And it's funny, he has, he has, zero, he has zero points in our subreddit right now. He's gotten some downvotes for this one. But he says, I know you guys are pretty much anti-free trade, but do us a favor yes. uh, and not, all, not fall for this lie. I like that he's already giving us shit. And, of course, if he would just watch Linux Action Show on Friday, he would have saw that I didn't cover this story. But that's okay. Uh, he but, says, and more importantly, when have I ever freaked out about hurting the GPL? I, I know, right? You hate the GPL. <laughs> Everybody knows that. <laughs> he says the TPP, what it is, is the TPP prevents uh, signing governments, which would be anybody who's involved in the TPP, from requiring foreign software from other signing countries to release their source code as a condition of selling that software in the country. In other words, com- countries can't mandate that you open source the code before you can sell it. Open source, however, can stay open source. Uh, what this does is prevent the unfair protection of local software, open or closed, by eliminating the competitive advantage of foreign closed source software. But, but you know what this doesn't prevent? Hmm. What China just did, hey, you have to show us your source code or you can't sell it. Right. It, well, right. So it because China is not a signer. It does right. actually prevent that, except for China is not a signer of the TPP. The only market that might you might want to sell into. Interesting. Yeah, funny how – well, actually, the TPP, oh, what works. it is, and just yeah, really briefly, if you're not familiar, go listen to uh, Unfilter uh, because we actually – we quickly – there are things that are good about the TPP if you're in the U.S., and there are things that are bad about the TPP if you're in the entire world and in the U.S., uh, and most of those revolve around copyright provisions, copyright enforcement, and pharmaceuticals. Uh, so uh, if you are curious about this, because this isn't really a Coda Radio topic, although it does kind of affect uh, developers. Well, the H-1B one thing, is, but, but that's not even part of this, right? That stuff got yes. mixed. Yes. Yeah. But if you go listen to What is the TPP, uh, episode 162 of Unfilter, which came out on October 14th, so we've been following this for a few weeks, I do break down in there the copyright stuff that is an issue and the pharmaceutical stuff that is an issue, if you're curious. However, like Coder Rampage, uh, who in our subreddit said, I don't actually think this uh, the TPP will ruin open source thing is legit. And uh, so I wanted to kind of just cover that because I have seen that going on like crazy this weekend. So I agreed with him. Now, Alex writes in with our last bit of feedback this week, Mr. Dominic, about offshoring versus onshoring, which we talked about uh, in last week's episode of Coda Radio. And uh, he had a perspective uh, uh, to look in at the offshoring discussion. Well, he wanted to talk about onshoring specifically. He says, um, I'm a software developer working in uh, central Wisconsin for a medium-sized consulting firm based in Boston. So he's in Wisconsin. The firm's in Boston. My company is able to compete often at lower cost simply because we have a pool of developers that not have a high cost of living yet are often only one or two time zones away. Sometimes our clients even want to meet us in person, which is always perfectly reasonable 
since we're not on the other side of the world after all. uh, It's not the same as working remotely. We have an office of developers we work with and communicate with directly every single day. I believe this is an increasing trend in response to the problem of often faced with outsourcing and or offshoring. It may not be as cheap as you might be able to get with Lumpend or Brazil, but the data shows you generally end up paying more in the long run due to what is sort of McDonald's quality software and what that does to your infrastructure. Good point. Even in the U.S., you don't need to live in a large metropolitan area to write software. And yes, we still have high-speed internet, LTE, and running water. Thanks for the show. Coda Radio is what got me hooked on Jupiter Broadcasting. Alex. Bam. Suck it, Linux Action Show. Oh, sorry. What? No, actually, Alex nails it. And you know, I was joking. It's funny you said Linux Action Show. I was joking with Noah um, on the live stream on Friday's show. I said, Noah, if I didn't have, if I didn't have three amazing kids, I would come live in Grand Forks, North Dakota. And I would I would do these shows from Grand Forks, North Dakota. Dude, how high are you right now? (laughs) I know you're in Washington State, but you've been saying crazy crap. You're attacking defense contractors. Remember his opinion, not mine. No, here's why. Because because a the 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 same thing here in Washington that cost me six ninety five, literally cost me two ninety five in Grand Forks, North Dakota. I'm talking about butter, Uh, and and milk and the entire so so on the road trip. I spent, you know, I spent a few days, well, like three or four days in Grand Forks, and it is ridiculous, Mike. Like, you go to, you go to, you go to, you go to South Dakota or whatever it is, no income tax, uh, no, it, it is, it is, it is so ridiculous to, to live there that a lot of people who live full time in their RVs, you know, like retired people that just decide, well, I'm going to get an RV and travel the travel the U.S. and things like that, or people like me who live in their trailer, uh, a lot of us. I know this is blowing your mind. A lot of us, a lot of them register in South Dakota, and they they claim residency out of South Dakota. Isn't that why, like, almost every company in the, in the country is in Nevada or Delaware? Yeah, same kind of thing. Same exact yeah. kind of thing. And and uh, and the cost to, to live in those places is – my point is, Mike, is that you can have – you can literally pay somebody way less and have them live there. And it is a better version of offshoring. Because they're they're right here. They speak the dialect. They understand the culture. They're 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 savvy, and they have high speed internet. And 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 they I just, just simply. I was doing this like three years ago with Kansas. Just saying. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, and like Rikai points out, small business taxes are also favorable in those areas and those states. And so, like with Noah, you know, so what? So quite literally, I watched Noah do what I did as an independent IT consultant, and I watch him be able to make considerably. Well, I watch him make 30% more money than I could have made. He literally makes 30% more money than I could have made just because of where he's based out of. Because to live in Washington State is extremely expensive. I love it here. But there is what Alex is saying. It, it really registers with me because I looked at Montana and I, I, looked at Grand, I looked at South Dakota and North Dakota and I looked at the cost of living there and I seriously thought I could take the rover, I could go park it in that state, I could do all of these shows just like somebody who's a developer could take their laptop and their rig and right. go develop software anywhere in the world or anywhere in the U.S. and live much cheaper. I mean, I guess you could. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, that, that I know. That would totally work. I, what I, what I, what I, and I talked about this uh, a few weeks ago on Tech Talk Today. What it, there is actually a – and it doesn't work for a lot of people, people who have responsibilities like children or family life or medical issues or a lot of, a lot of um, you know, debt. I mean really for a lot of us, this would never be able to be a doable so thing. you've never been to college in the last right. 20 years. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah, pretty much. If you've been to college or you've had children. If you've ever gotten sick ever. Right. So that'll – That'll be a problem. Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. Exactly. It's well, not very. Little, I'm getting a little testy. Where's my Bernie Sanders? Yes. Bring him in here. But there is actually, and I talked about this in episode. It's funny. I talked about this in episode 218 of Tech Talk Today, the uh, gridless hacker, and I, I talked about several different developers who literally live off the grid. They live in their their RVs yeah, and they I move around. Yeah, and it, it is fascinating. There is a, there is a culture of people that are doing this, and Alex points out a lot of people are are using these people as a as a resource pool that are not outside the U.S. But they're still they're onshoring to them essentially. I think it's fascinating. It's an it's an interesting trend, I think, Mike. But well, I don't it, think it's. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just interesting. I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, where the economy can be so wildly different 
between different states in the same country. Right. right? Yes, we did. This is all very U.S. specific. But it's just because of how weird the U.S. is in that way where let's take the state I live in, New Jersey, which is crazy expensive to live in. Right. It's ridiculous. The tax, we have highest taxes. See, then you know what I'm talking about. You know exactly. Like if if you could just move to a different state and all of a sudden make 30 percent more money. Here's the problem. You – some fields correct for that, right? Like it might be easier if you got a job. I'm trying to think. Like if you – sure, if you got a job as a developer and you were were just going to do that and you'd go live in, in, I guess, Delaware where I know they have no income tax. Grand Forks, North Dakota. Grand Forks, North Dakota. Perfect. Yeah, you instantly got a raise, right? Basically. Um, you've created a headache for your employer because now they have to fire, file payroll tax in Delaware, whatever that state is, but that's fine. Um, but if you're not, if you're, a, if you're a consultant or you're trying to do a business, you have to go find clients, which might be more challenging in, in the scary part of North Dakota that Chris is talking about. There's a lot of snow there. A lot of snow and a lot of Yeti. I've heard about the Yeti. Yes. And you know, one time it, it flooded real bad and they still talk about it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just saying that there are trade-offs depending on what you're doing. Yeah, you're right. You are you are right. But Alex's email did strike a chord with me. Yeah, that there There is got to be a category of our audience that could do their job from anywhere. It's like those old – you remember those old Western movies? be like Shane just rolling on a town for a couple of weeks and then just roll on out. Like, yeah. Now yeah. it's me. I roll in with the rover and then I roll on out. That's it. You're just gone. Yeah. Some little boy. Shane. Chris. Come back. Come. I sure locked him. I hope he comes back one day. He will, son. Our income tax is real low. So we elected five Tea Party people to our state legislator. He'll be back. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. All right. Well, there you go. Coderadio.reddit.com if you've got a topic you want us to talk about. I think we've hit rock bottom. I know. It it feels like that, right? It's like, where else can we go with this now? (laughs) Well, I I could tell you why I'm voting for Trump. We could do it. Yeah, okay. My ass, you're voting for Trump. My absolute ass, you're voting for Trump. I don't buy that for two seconds. You think I'm a Democrat, don't you? No, oh, no. I don't. I would never make that mistake. But I. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, I just can't. No. No, no, no. It's not happening. No, no, no. Mary! Hey! Yeah, you're not voting for. The day you vote. The day you vote for for Trump is the day that I vote for Hillary. So I don't think that's Whoa, you're the most liberal person I know. That's a lie. But you I'm the most liberal it. person you know. No. <laughs> that's just a false belief. No, no I. Uh, you know the thing is, Mike is. Uh, we shouldn't. Now we're getting into politics. We probably shouldn't do it. But uh, it's good times. It is. It is. This in for the U.S. This is like the nerds' sports spectator season. I'm sorry. This is the saddest thing I've ever seen. What are you talking about? It's. It's still. You, you know what? One person who's obviously going to win. Yeah. And- yeah, bunch of crazy guys, and which is going to be a train wreck either way. It's all great. Oh, it's all going to be the a... lady who destroyed uh, HP. Right? There you go. Yes. <laughs> all right. Very good. All right. If you'd like to give us some fodder, uh, go over to uh, jupiterbroadcasting.com/slash/contact or check out coderadio.reddit.com. Links, topics, community interaction, questions, all welcome. Coderadio.reddit.com or email us directly. Coderadio. or coderadio at jupiterbroadcasting.com why don't you join us live we'd like to get some more of you here jblive.tv we pretty much always do this show on mondays at noon pacific 3 p.m eastern try to make that work for you go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar it would actually mean a lot to us if you showed up live also we'd love some ratings some reviews in itunes it helps other people find the show you can go over there and give us a rating and some comments all right everybody thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of go to radio and we'll see you right back here next week